Well, good morning. So good to be with you. Thanks for coming this morning and uh, worshiping with us. Thank you, Jairus, so much for, first of all, for ABF. Jairus is doing an exceptional job taking us through the Royal Psalms at 915. If you haven't come, you'd like to come. It's a great study, great interaction, and then just leading us in worship with the praise team. It's always a blessing to come. I need to be here week to week. You know, if I'm not here, it's and get to uh, hear from the Lord, to worship, to, to fellowship, man, my week is just not the same. And that's happened time to time in my life. But uh, can we pray and just ask God to help us this morning as we open up the Bible and hear what He has to say to us this morning. Father, we come before You this morning as we have just finished lifting up our praise and worship to You because You are a faithful God. You are incredible. You are... Uh, are an amazing God who has created us, given us life. You know us inside and out. And Lord, we need you. Whether we acknowledge it at times or not, we need you. We are dependent on you, even in this moment this morning. So God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, work in each and every heart that's here, whatever may be distracting us from... Uh, focusing in in, in the next uh, 30 minutes, we pray that we would uh, give that distraction up. We would tune in to what you have to say, Lord, because we need help, especially in this area of anxiety. And so, Lord, we commit it to you. We thank you already for what you've done and what you will do. And we're asking in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, according to the National Institute for Mental Health, <clears throat> An estimated 31.1% of U.S. adults experience an anxiety disorder at some time in their lives. Seems a little low to me, but <laughs> that's the stat. Anxiety. Here's just some facts about anxiety. Uh, anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorder in the U.S. Over 40 million adults experience an anxiety disorder each year. There are many different types of anxiety disorders, including generalized anxiety, social anxiety, specific phobias, and more. And these anxiety disorders can develop for a number of reasons. Genetics, brain chemistry, life events. <clears throat> so I am certainly one of the 40 million of adults that have dealt with anxiety throughout my life. Um, I experienced anxiety as a child and as an adult. I think uh, mine had developed from uh, genetics, primarily, um, but also life events. And that's really what we want to focus in on this morning in our time, really the anxiety that comes from life events. Though, uh, I, you know, I don't know about my, my, my brain chemistry. Maybe you can ask my wife. She might give you some insight. I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, all these things contribute to anxiety in our lives. And so what I'd like to share this morning from the Word of God, I'm really dealing more with uh, life events and the anxiety and the stress that comes from life events. Uh, I experienced that as a child uh, around the age of 10. I was diagnosed with what's called gastritis. You've probably heard of that, but it's just inflammation of the stomach lining, I believe. And it's, it's from several different things can cause it. Um, you know, uh, excessive pain meds. I had a real problem at 10 with pain meds, so 
No, I'm kidding. So it wasn't that or alcohol, a lot of alcohol. Wasn't dealing with that at, at 10. But also uh, stress. Stress can cause it. Cause it. And so for me, that, that's what um, contributed to the uh, diagnosis of gastritis. And, and I think back around that time, you know, and, and I'm not going to uh, go through all of my past, but I had uh, prior to that diagnosis had suffered uh, abuse as a child. And then we, our parents moved. We moved states for about a year and a half and moved back. And, you know, moving causes a lot of anxiety. New school, you know, new friends you're trying to make. And so all this uh, came to a head in my life around, you know, I think it was around 12 years old when I got the diagnosis. Um, but life events. And then I know my family has always struggled with anxiety. It's, it's hereditary and genetics in some ways because I look at my father and my uncle and, and my, even some of my siblings and it's like, we all don't handle stress real well. <laughs> so uh, anyway, there's, a various, uh, there's various reasons why someone might experience anxiety. But for our time this morning, really think about the anxiety that comes from life events. But what we share today will certainly help in any area of life where you experience this. Psych, uh, Psych Central says this, In many cases, anxiety is a learned coping mechanism. For instance, patterns of negative thoughts or catastrophic thinking, believing that something bad will happen to you is related to anxiety. These thoughts are there to protect you from possible danger. But ultimately, they aren't the most effective tool for making you feel better, right? And we would agree with that. Uh, so anxiety can affect anyone at any age and for any reason, really. It could be something a person struggles with for years, maybe even their entire life. Maybe you can relate to that or know someone that, that has. There's also a diagnosis called secondhand anxiety. Have you heard of this? It's, it's anxiety that uh, people experience by living with somebody that has anxiety. So you can't get away from it, right? I think that's seen especially with kids whose parents struggle with anxiety or stress and so it's prevalent, folks, is the whole point. You know, Jesus addressed anxiety. He talked about anxiety way back even in his day, in the first century. He called it the cares of this world or worry. Peter, here in our passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning, is we're going to spend just a few moments in verses 6 and 7, but Peter here calls it cares of this world or, or other translations call it anxieties, which is the literal word, anxiety. But the word translated care, Warren Wiersbe tells us, means anxiety, and he says the state of being pulled apart. The state of being pulled apart. Maybe you can relate to that. Have you ever felt like you're being pulled in all these different directions because of all the stress and the worries and the issues of life? Or maybe you feel like your world is falling apart. It's anxiety, folks. It's care. So what do you do when you struggle with anxiety like so many do? What is the answer? Is there an answer to anxiety? Well, psychology gives us some ways in the same article that I just quoted. They give some ways to help deal with it. They say, you know, hey, take a run. Yeah, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> run to get some donuts, maybe. Uh, think about something funny. Okay? You know, distract yourself. That's the main way that we cope with Stress and anxiety, right, is escape through distraction, you know. Uh, so maybe we'll run down to the local comedy show and distract ourselves. And then take a cold shower, 
you know, or an ice plunge. Who's doing that? Not me, but uh, they, these are ways that they're trying to say, you know, this maybe help, help you cope with your anxiety, and I'm not saying that those things don't help, because they do, right? We do like those distractions, and, and uh, those are ways maybe to help cope with it at times. There's always in the path of medication as well. Medication has helped me uh, many times in my life to, to deal with anxiety or stressful events. Uh, but what I found <clears throat> is that none of these solutions by themselves have been any real ultimate answer for me in my journey. I don't believe that personally they're the ultimate answer for anyone. I can be so bold to say that, and in my experience, and for what I understand about the Bible, I personally do not even believe they are the primary solution for anyone that deals with anxiety. Disclaimer, don't stop taking your meds. I got to say that today. We're going to get sued. No, I'm kidding. But no, yeah, um, medication's great, and all these other ways that we learn to cope with anxiety are helpful, uh, but I don't know that they're the primary or, or even the, the main ultimate answer for anxiety in life. So what I'd like to share this morning from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, is very personal for me. It's very personal. Because this has been my journey. This is something that I've dealt with at, from childhood, and I'm still dealing with it. I'm still navigating uh, the stress and the worry and anxieties of life. And so what I'm sharing is personal. It's for me, and it, it's something that, i got to be honest with you, just, I, I've been anxious about this sermon. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Uh, it's ironic, but I just like, I just want to be, I just want to help people. I don't, I, you know, what I struggle with is like, you know, man, sometimes I, I, I don't want to come across as cliche, you know. Uh, you know, just pray and just give it to the Lord and all these things that we say. And then that, that's what I've been struggling with and praying about. God, just help me. Uh, share your word and your truth in a way that, that uh, people can grab a hold of it and understand that this really does work. It does work. God works. He can heal. He can bring restoration and, and, and newness of life. And, and so I just have struggled with that. Um, and so it's personal for me. So the first thing that I think anyone who wants answers for anxiety... What they need to understand is, number one, my weakness is his strength in verse 6. Look there with me. Peter says to these believers, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen, if you want to have help in life in this area or any area for that matter, we need to understand, I am weak. God is the strong one. Uh, isn't that what we learned from childhood? If you grew up in a Christian home, as we sang the little song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me. Uh, a truth which at one time maybe we thought was cute and it's simple and, and it's so cute to watch little kids sing it, Turns out that that's one of the most profound lessons that anyone can get a hold of in their life. We are weak. He is strong. The reason I think a lot of people never find deep or lasting help for anxieties of life is because we think we're stronger than we are. 
We do all we can to make sure that everyone else thinks that we're strong and that we're okay and that we, we, we don't have any struggles in life. But yet, what do we do? We still fear, we worry, we stress, we doubt, we get anxious about the issues that we face in life. And if we're honest, if we're honest, you know what it, what it stems from? It stems from pride. It's just pride in the heart, admitting that we actually are weak. And yeah, actually, I don't have an answer here. Actually, I do need God's help. Isn't it pride that keeps us from admitting that? I think even the world understands that principle of, of humbling yourself before, before God, humility. I uh, was ordered to attend NA meetings for several years in my late teens, early 20s, Narcotics Anonymous. Um, court ordered to go, so it was so exciting. But no, uh, I went, but you know, one of the first things that they say, the first step in anyone getting help with any kind of addiction is this. The real first step in treating addiction is when the individual admits they have a problem and opens up to seeking treatment for the addiction, right? Isn't that, you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped or doesn't even see their need for help. And I think that's why Peter in verse 6 tells these believers, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Because the first step in finding help with the anxieties of life is to admit that we have a, even a pride problem. Admit that we're weak and that we need help. Man, that's hard for us, isn't it? To say okay or to accept help or even admit we need help. But isn't that, that's radical honesty, folks, to come before God and admit, hey, I've been trying to fix all my problems in my life my way and my own strength, God. And I've not done a great job. I've been frantically running all over trying to do this and do that and help this person or help that person, but whatever, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fix myself, I'm trying to fix my kids, my spouse, my financial problems, I'm trying to fix the country. <laughs> and we run around as if somehow we're going to be able to, to fix anything. And then, you know, as Christians we protest, oh, but, you know, I still pray about these things all the time. I've given them over to the Lord. Well, then why do we continue to worry about them? You know, you can pray about something, but praying about it 25 times in the same day is probably not what God had in mind of giving something over to the Lord. Why do we then still allow all of these things to affect our, our joy, to affect our, our mental, spiritual, emotional well-being? if we've prayed about it and given it to the Lord, right? If we're honest. You know, the Apostle Paul struggled with anxiety in his life. He said that he had a, this, this thorn in the flesh, which many scholars believe was a, a physical ailment. And he, and he says, it's, uh, it greatly hindered me, he says. Many believe it was his failing eyesight. Can you relate to that? You know, I got reading glasses. I can't even see anything right in front of me anymore, which is probably good. Now I'll stay off my phone, but... Uh, you know, my failing eyesight, it's uh, my farsightedness. Anyway, that's an inside joke. But, uh, uh, man, la I think last week uh, I had a reoccurrence of an old um, back problem that I had. I've been good for a few years, and all of a sudden I did something, you know. So for like two days I'm laid up. I can't even hardly get out of bed because of my back, you know. And, and so all, all I can do, I, I could barely sleep. And 
I've been having trouble sleeping at night. I, I don't know if I have like restless leg syndrome or, uh, or what. I mean, but I'm just, you, you can relate, I imagine. I'm not, it's not caffeine, okay? I know it's not coffee. It, it, it's, it's me laying at, at, awake at night staring at the ceiling. It's like, okay, Lord, um, I really need to get sleep. You know, and I just lay there for two hours sometimes at least. Uh, but what do we do? We pray. And what else do you do? You pray. Drink some warm milk. No, I don't know. Maybe that'll help. I'm sure all you are out there going, I've got solutions for you. But uh, hold those, your melatonin comments. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but we pray about it. And I, I prayed. And I, man, I kept praying and praying. Lord, I need to get to sleep. Lord, help me, you know, with this back, you know, or just, I, I can't re- sleep. And I'm just praying about my problem, <laughs> you know, until I guess I get too tired to pray anymore and just fall asleep. But, uh, but that's what we do as Christians. We pray. We pray. And I think that's what Paul did. Paul, I know Paul did. 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Can you, can you hear the frustration that it caused in his life? And that's our typical response to the hardships or the things in life that cause anxiety or stress. We pray about it, which we should. We, we need to be praying. But like Paul, we usually pray, uh, pray, Lord, take this away. Remove this from me. This situation, this circumstance, maybe this person, uh, it's a distraction in my life right now, so please remove it. It's painful. It causes me stress. I beg you, Lord, take it away. But God doesn't always remove it, does He? God's hand is mighty. God can heal, God can change circumstances anytime that He wants. But what Paul came to learn through his experience was that sometimes God, maybe God has another purpose in mind for your struggle in life, for the cares of this life. Paul got an answer to his prayer in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says, here's what God said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. There's a lesson. What, what Paul at one time saw as something that really just brought stress and anxiety in his life turned out to be a, a spiritual lesson God was trying to teach Paul. That God was working behind the scenes through Paul's circumstances to humble him. Because Paul said that in that passage, he says that he, re, he had this uh, thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to keep me from exalting myself there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. What a perspective that is. What insight. And so Paul saw his anxiety-inducing issue in life as something that God allowed him to experience to humble him. And I can't help but think of Job. You know all that Job went through And how God was working behind the scenes and allowing Satan to devastate Job's life. Turn his world upside down. But all along, 
God was in control. God allowed it for a purpose. And all along, what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. Could that be true in your circumstances right now? Is it possible that whatever is causing stress and anxiety and worry in your life, maybe God's at work behind the scenes to teach you a different lesson? It's interesting the parallel between Paul's experience and Peter's words in 1 Peter 5 here. Because Paul said that uh, as he sought the Lord through that time, okay, he had this thorn in the flesh, he's begging God to remove it, but he's seeking the Lord through the time, and he realized God wanted to humble him, to keep him from what? From exalting himself. In other words, God was protecting Paul from self-exaltation. Thinking more highly of himself than he ought to. And then we read Peter's admonition here is, is to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And we see that it's so that God can exalt us in, in his time. At the proper time. Whenever God decides that it, it's time to exalt us, he will do it. Because the word exalt simply means to cause someone to have high status, to give high position to or to exalt. The NIV, I like how it renders it. It says, lift you up. That God will lift you up at the right time. I, I believe that God wants to do that. I think God does want to exalt or lift up His children. As far as it, God wants us to succeed in life, doesn't He? He wants us to succeed in, in marriage, in our careers, in, in our walk of faith, even in, in leadership in the church, which I believe is what's in context here. God's with us. He's for us. He's working for our good all the time. But God is not going to lift up someone who's down, who's not looking to God to lift them up. If we got it, if we say, if we're never even turning to God for help because we have this self-autonomous uh, attitude, this self-sufficiency, I got it, I can do it. You know, if I ever get to a crisis, I'll call on you, God, but, you know, for now, I'm good. Is God going to lift that person up? He certainly can. But why? Why wouldn't God then do that? And I, I really believe it's because God knows the heart and He knows that an independent, self-sufficient heart is a prideful heart. And you know one of the sins that God hates the most? It's pride. And pride is destructive. Proverbs tells us, tells us this. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And God knows that. And as his children, he sees when we get full of pride and we, we're doing it our way on our, on, in our own strength and wisdom, apart from God's. Destruction's inevitable. A fall's sure to come. But God in his grace says, you know, I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to allow you to experience something to humble you, to keep you from that. To keep you from maybe crashing and burning the way that you would had God not intervened. 
Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I'll conclude this point with this. You know, nothing's impossible with God. There are no asterisks in our Bibles to let us know that God didn't have our personal issues in mind when he wrote this. There are no footnotes that tell us what Jesus promised was really for the first century believers. And his words don't apply to 21st century people who have much more complex problems today, right, than in the first century. No, when, when God says something, it is true universally for all people at all times. Amen? That's what we believe in absolute truth. It's, it's right for all people, all times, in every situation. So how do you experience it then? How do you experience life, the life that Jesus said he came to bring? How does it work in my life? Well, that's the second point, that my cares are his concern. Is verse 7 probably one of the most famous verses uh, in all the Bible, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, being raised in a good Baptist home and a good King James, casting all your cares on him before he careth for you, right? Cares, anxieties, we cast all of our cares on him. That's how you experience life and peace and joy and all that Jesus promised to, to bring us. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you couple uh, commentators that help us understand the words here, but Peter's choice of the term for care focuses on the worry created by concerns. The picture painted by the word for casting those cares upon him requires completely letting them go. They are not handed over, but thrown into the arms of God. I like that. And then uh, our Greek lexicon tells us that this word means to cause, to cast, or it's, it's really an idiom, casting your cares, is to cause responsibility for something to be upon someone to put responsibility on or to make responsible for, and catch this, to stop worrying and to put one's trust in someone, to put one's cares upon or to leave one's worries to someone else. Responsibility is not on me to figure it out, to come up with the answer, to work it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast it on someone that, that can. Folks, this is what it means to live by faith, isn't it? To really live by faith in a God that we cannot see all the time. And when we let go of everything, all our cares, anything that causes worry or stress or anxiety in our life, we, we toss it over to the almighty, capable God. Throw it into the Lord's capable hands. Stop worrying about it. Stop stressing over it. Stop continually thinking about it and let God handle it. That sounds so easy, doesn't it? But that's what it means to walk by faith. You let go, and you let God. There's the cliche Christian statement I talked about earlier. But in a real literal sense, you let go of it and let God handle it. Because God's got you. 
He cares for you. More than anyone else in this world, God cares for you. But the key to living by faith is to allow God to work some things out in your life. Allow God to, to show up. and to, Sometimes we don't give God time or opportunity to come in and to do... We, we are, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm a fix-it. Guys, we're fix-it guys, you know. Wife wants to talk about a problem or something. I'm like, I'm listening for how I can help her fix the problem, you know. Maybe she just wants to talk, but... Uh, I think that's human nature. What's the problem? Okay, what can I do? How do I fix it? Whenever somebody, I hear of a need in the church or uh, in the community or something, my first instinct is, what can I do? You know, that used to wear me out. God's not trying to solve the world's problems with me. I'm not the answer. That's been a, a... a hard lesson to learn, and I'm still learning it. But that's the key to living by faith, ladies and gentlemen, is to submit yourself and all your cares to your capable God. Sounds easy, but it's profoundly difficult. Let God take responsibility. Look, we're, not, we're also not saying this is a case, hurrah, hurrah, whatever will be, will be attitude towards life. You just do nothing. So we're not saying that. I always feel like I need to make that distinction. doesn't mean you just forget about everything and just go about your life, living life, you know, living to be the loca. Maybe not that. I don't know. But just doing your thing and whatever. And, you know, God's got it. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, so it's not that. There, there's a balance here. But what I think Peter's getting at is it's an act of faith. It's an intentional releasing of what we cannot and should not control in our life and by faith allow God to complete the work that he's doing in our lives through those circumstances. Does that make sense? How often are we trying to figure out something or control something that we're not supposed to control? Turn to Luke chapter 12, if you would, just for a a few moments here as we near the end of this sermon. I probably shouldn't say that as a pastor. But Luke chapter 12, starting in verse uh, 22 through 26, can we just listen to Jesus for a moment? Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do a, uh, a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Jesus is appealing to his disciples to consider something. He's like, think about this, guys. 
if it's useless to worry about small matters that are outside of our control, isn't it even more foolish to worry about the larger matters that are even more outside of our control? I mean, most of the things that we worry about or are anxious about are things that, things that we can't change, like the past, things that can't be controlled in the present, or things that might not happen in the future. I forget the statistic, but, you know, it's way up there, 90-some percent of things we worry about never happen. And somebody said, well, it's a good thing I'm worrying about them then, you know. So they're not happening. No, that's not the, it's not the solution to that. Guess my worrying's working. No. Wrong lesson. But I think Jesus' point is simple but profound, like he always is. Your Father in heaven loves you. He knows your every need, doesn't he? Is there anything that God doesn't know about you? Is there any need that God's unaware of that you have? Is there any situation or problem in your life that you're experiencing that God is not fully aware of at this moment? And he loves and cares for you so much that he even sacrificed his only son for you. He sacrificed his own child for your redemption to cleanse you of your sins, to, to bring you life and everlasting life. Look at all that God has done for you, for us, right? What He's done to show us how much He loves us. If you ever question the love of God, you look to the cross, right? You look at the things that God has done for us, the great sacrifices that He's made for us. And when you look at God and you see what he's done and see how much he loves us, you realize, I can trust him. I can trust this God. If he would do that for me, knowing who I am and knowing how sinful I am and, and out of his grace and based on no merit of my own, he's going to send his son to, to die for me, that God loves me. He has to love me. And if he loves me like that, if he's willing to secure my eternal eternal destiny by sacrificing his son? Is there anything in this life he won't do for me? Did he stop caring for me? Absolutely not. So let go and let God. Stop worrying and start worshiping. Stop controlling and start casting. You're killing yourself by allowing anxiety to dominate your life. That's the, that's, that's the headline. It will not add a single hour to your life, and in fact, it will lessen your lifespan. Because research, research shows that overreacting, constantly worrying, and living in a state of perpetual anxiety can re reduce life expectancy. They say up to 2.8 years. You can literally worry yourself to death. But not only that, they, uh, how you react to the issues of life, science tells us, can predict your chronic health conditions 10 years in the future. 
What's the lesson here? Anxiety is detrimental to your physical, mental, emotional, and most importantly, spiritual health. It's talked about all through the New Testament and even in the Old Testament. And allowing anxiety, the worries, the cares of life to control us, to to control our life, we're going to miss out on experiencing the life that Jesus came to bring. You can't have both. Faith and worry can't coexist. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to make the most of the time. I don't know how much time I have. You don't know how much time you have. But I want to make the most of it. I really do. And I haven't learned all there is to learn about life. That is absolutely sure. But one thing I have learned is that God knows what's best for me and my life. I've figured that part out. And I, and I realize that doing life my way, on my own terms, in my own wisdom, and in my own strength over the years has led to absolutely nothing except emptiness Exhaustion, frustration, anxiety, disappointment, wasted time, and missed opportunities. That's what it's gotten me. So I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And, you know, I prayed a lot about, God, how, how you know, I just want to help myself and others have, like, handles. Like, how does this work out in my life? You know, and I've just had to come to conclusion that I just have to pray the Holy Spirit can do that. But I think it's always good to look at the life of, of someone else who God was working in to see how they handled it. So if we look at Paul, let's go back to him in closing. How did Paul respond to this thorn in the flesh, this anxiety-inducing ailment that plagued his life, Here's what he says in verses 9 and 10. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul embraced his struggles. He embraced it because he realized it's through my weaknesses that the power of Christ is at work in me. And he didn't just embrace them, he boasted in them. I, you know, I don't know, I haven't gotten to that place yet, but boasting in your weaknesses. Think about it. At one time, this issue in Paul's life, he begged repeatedly for God to remove it. And now here he is a little later taking pleasure in it. How does that happen? Maybe God healed him. No, I don't, think we, I don't think God healed him of it. Or maybe God changed his circumstance. No, I don't think that's what happened either. You know what happened? God changed Paul. He changed Paul's perspective on his ailment in life. He found not only peace in living with his, his thorn in the flesh, but he found joy. He found pleasure. 
Isn't that what he said? That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. That sounds to me like Jesus saying that uh, the rest, how, why, why, why do you worry about the rest? Paul says that I'm, I'm going to take pleasure in the rest and everything else that Satan means for evil, but God intends for good. Because when I do that, then I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. What are your uh, anxiety-inducing things that you are experiencing in life right now? What is it right now that causes you constant stress? Like a thorn in the flesh, right? Burr in the saddle. Or a Texas grass burr. Have you stepped on one of those lately? Messenger of Satan, I know. But what is that one thing? You know, maybe it's more multiple things. Maybe it's that prodigal child. Maybe it's a prodigal spouse. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, financial struggles, health issues. And instead of praying, Lord, fix it. So it doesn't cause me stress in life. (laughs) Fix them. Fix my world so I'll be at peace. It's not how it works. How about God fix me? Change my perspective. Help me to learn to boast of my weaknesses so that I can experience what you're doing in my life and heart. Because you want to grow me. You want to stretch me. You want me to to depend on you and to see your power in my life, your glory in my life. But that's the only way to do it, is to cast all my care on him. Have Have you casted your cares because he cares for you? You know, when he says he cares for you, it's in the present tense. He continually cares for you and it never stops. Do you believe it? And if he cares for you and he is the mighty God, can you throw those problems to him and just let him have them? Give them over to the Lord. Don't keep taking them back. Cast them on a capable God's mighty hand. Father, thank you for this morning and this passage especially. It's, I imagine, familiar with a lot of us, but... uh, Oh, profound, this truth that we are weak in ourselves, in our strength, in our own wisdom, we can do nothing. But it's only by the power that you provide that we can take joy even in the trials of life. Father, I know there's a lot of folks that deal with anxiety. Maybe they wouldn't call it a disorder. Maybe maybe some do have a disorder or what, what we are just trying to say, Lord, is that we all deal with it. It's natural. It's not sinful to, to be anxious about something necessarily. It's natural to worry, to get anxious about things. But Lord, you don't want us to live there. And when, Lord, you tell us do not be anxious, you mean do not be anxious about anything. But with prayer, and supplication, 
and thanksgiving. May we remake, make our requests known to you. Cast our care on you. Pray. Give it to you. And watch you work. So many things are outside of our control, and rightfully so. Help us not to waste another day worrying, being anxious about things that we can't control. We just want to know you, God. We want to experience your power. We want to experience your healing, your growth in this area. I know I do, and so I pray that you will do that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.